You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. Along the way, you'll hear from some of my amazing colleagues as they share practical advice that you can apply to your own classrooms. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by my free guide on five ways to better serve students with exceptional learning needs. It can be hard to try to best serve your students with exceptional needs in the music classroom, but it doesn't have to be. There are some simple steps that you can take to help your students while also taking some of the stress off of your shoulders. In this free PDF guide, I'll share five of my top tips for better serving those students that might have exceptional learning needs in your classroom. To claim your free PDF copy, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash exceptional learners. Oh my goodness, you guys, I cannot wait for you to hear this interview. So full disclosure, this is actually the first interview that I recorded um, when I was starting to relaunch that music podcast for season two. So for the first time, I was able to sit down with another music educator and kind of just talk shop for a little bit. And especially now, you know, I'm currently teaching virtually um, in my classroom where I'm basically literally isolated all day. Um, It was nice to be able to talk to some other music teacher, another music teacher um, about, you know, advocating for our students and our program, but also understanding that during this time of a global pandemic that we need to make sure that we're giving our students and parents some grades. My guest in this episode is Rainy Barton. Rainy's a K-5 music educator in Central Florida, and she's been teaching for six years all at the same school. She's on her way to being Orfshul Work certified, but it's taken a little bit longer due to COVID. She's also a teacherpreneur that creates digital music resources for music teachers, and her mission is to help them utilize a purposeful music curriculum that inspires active music making in the hearts of their students. Her favorite food in a heartbeat is tacos. In her spare time, you'll find her teaching skills and trapeze at her local circus studios, because apparently they have those. Who knew? She loves her job with a passion and hopes to instill a love and appreciation for music with everyone she meets. So without further ado, I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation that I had with Rainy Barton about advocating for our program and our students. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to That Music Podcast. I'm super excited to share my guest today, Rainy Barton. We're going to be talking all about um, advocating for ourselves as music educators and for our students. So Rainy, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to me today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm really glad that my son is asleep, so we'll see how long he stays asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, Randy. Well, will you first, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, where did you go to college and where and what do you teach? Yeah. So like you said, my name's Rainy. I am an elementary music teacher for grades K through five in Central Florida. And I've been at the same school basically since I started. So year six. So that's like kind of crazy because my kindergartners are fifth graders and I'm kind of crying, dying because I've never, it's just like my <laughs> first like graduation of like, I, I was their only music teacher. So like, it's kind yeah. of exciting. So that's like, it's just harder though. Cause like, I'm not, I don't actually am seeing all of them because of COVID, you know, so I still don't see some of them. But um, I went to University of Florida, so go Gators. <laughs> um, and yeah, I had my bachelor's in music education there with um, emphasis on oboe because oboe was my main instrument. Uh, my mom, it's a funny story. She, when I was started in band, I did saxophone. And then when I was thinking 
of going to school for music, my mom was, or this was like in high school, my mom was like, you need to switch to an instrument that's weird. And I was like, why? And she was like, because <laughs> you'll get in on the weird instrument. You're not going to get in for saxophone. I was like, uh, okay. She's like, well, you should do like oboe or something. And I'm like, okay. So I did it and I got in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness that's awesome so yeah that's just like me in a nutshell <laughs> that's awesome so other than teaching and um, what is something that you're really passionate about and that brings you joy oh well that's an easy one <laughs> um <laughs> i don't i'm sure you might know this i'm sure a lot of people know this if you've followed me for any time then you know that i am obsessed with circus um there's actually a circus studio in my hometown i didn't know that you could actually go to a gym to do circus stuff if you're like what does that mean it's like silks and trapeze and like all of that stuff you can actually learn how to do it and like do performances and stuff and i found it on groupon like five years ago with my friend and she was like yeah let's go and I fell in love and I'm addicted and now I'm a teacher there <laughs> so that's what I do in my spare time is teach people how to like do aerial arts and stuff and like it's the best thing ever and everyone should do it that is awesome I love seeing all the stuff you post on Instagram because it, it's just some of the most ridiculous stuff and I'm like that looks so cool but at the same time I would do so bad at it <laughs> you say that now but you do gain the strength I mean literally when we went there I couldn't do anything like I couldn't do a pull-up I couldn't do anything and now I can do five pull-ups which that's a big deal to me because most women cannot even do one so I'm proud of myself <laughs> that is awesome all right. So it's going, I know you talked a little bit about this, you know, switching to oboe, but really what led you to pursue, pursue your degrees in music and specifically in music education? Yeah. So that also is an interesting story because I actually had no like thought in my mind to pursue music in college until like halfway through senior year, actually. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> it so, close. Yeah, my well, my journey in music has been interesting to say the least. So apparently, I don't remember this. My mom says this happened, but I don't believe her. Um, she says that in the beginning, like as I was getting actually no, I 100% believe this after I listened to what she said. What she said is that when we were getting ready to pick our electives for sixth grade, I didn't choose band. I had chosen like cheerleading and tech toys or something. And I had chosen tech toys because the boy I had a crush on was doing tech toys. Now that is a terrible <laughs> decision as to why you should pick an elective, but we'll let my little sixth grade heart commence. <laughs> and then my mom was like, no, you need to do band. Like you, you can go far in band. And like, apparently I fought her on it until we did the instrument petting zoo where I got to actually try the instruments. And then I was hooked and I was like, mom, I need a saxophone in my life. And the rest is history. I mean, I just, I just can't believe I never did. And want, I never wanted to not do band. But anyway, I continued with band through middle school. I continued with band through high school. Like I did everything that you could do. Jazz band, marching band. I did musical theater, drama. I did literally every musical thing you could do under the sun. And then I had always wanted to be a vet though. Ever since like I was little, even though I hate blood and I faint at the sight of blood. So I don't know why I thought that <laughs> animal blood would be any different because it's not. <laughs> And oh so then and then my mom, like halfway through senior year, was like, why are you not like, or maybe towards the beginning of senior year, but it was definitely senior year. She was like, why are you not applying for like music school? And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, but literally, like, you're extremely gifted at music. You hate math. 
you hate science, you're going to have to do tons of years of really hard math and really hard science when you could be having fun in music classes, like learning how to play the other instruments, learning how to conduct, learning how to do this, learning how to do that. And I was like, you are so right, mom. So we literally applied to go, like my mom was like, we only have money to visit one school. So you have to pick which school you want to audition at, which school you want to apply at. And the deadline is in like a week. So I chose oh I chose UF because I always liked UF. And I just for some reason didn't want to go to FSU. I don't know why. I think it's a fine school. I just, I was just, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I just, I chose UF and we went like literally like two weeks later because auditions were two weeks later. We drove up there and I auditioned and the teacher was like, you know what? I'll take it. I'll take a try on you. And I was like, oh, wonderful. And then I got in. And so it just, I don't know. I didn't even think about it until then. But it's just been ever since I was just so glad I did it because it was like 100% what I knew I was supposed to do. And my mom was totally right. In hindsight, parents normally, oh, that's right. (laughs) But I just never... That school really would have been trying for me. And I don't know why sometimes you can't see things that are quite obvious in front of you, but it was just great. I loved every experience in it. I loved getting to learn all the instruments. I loved getting to learn how to teach and do my internship and everything. And I just know that this is where I was supposed to end up. It just took a very crazy journey to get there. (laughs) I totally get that. Like I, I always think about my time in undergrad and I'm like, it was some of the best things that I've ever done that I never want to do again. <laughs> like like string just, skills at 7.30 no, in the just, morning? Oh, my goodness. It's just so much all, you know, for four years, constantly running around like a crazy person. Um, but again, some of the best, you know, relationships and, and friendships and everything has been so unique through that experience. I, I wouldn't change, trade it for anything. Yeah, it's just like we're one of the only, like, programs that you have, like, 18 credits. Like everywhere else, it's like they have like 12 or something. And then they're like, you have 18 credits. I'm like, you don't understand. There are a lot of music classes. (laughs) So can you tell me a little bit about how you ended up in your current teaching position? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. These are just all interesting stories. I'm just going to say because like (laughs) everything just happened. So like I just clandestine, I guess. So um, there was a. I think we had just graduated, like literally we had just gotten our diplomas, all that good stuff. And I had just gone home for the summer. So I lived in the Keys, which is about six and a half hours away from Gainesville. And so I had gone home for the summer and my best friend from college had texted me and said, Rainy, they're having a job fair next week. Like you have to come back up. And I was like, are there that many music teacher jobs available? She's like, they just passed a referendum instilling art and music to be back full-time in schools because apparently the four years before that, they hadn't had art full-time. Like they just, they didn't pass the referendum. So like music teachers were having to go to two or three different schools. They weren't getting, you know, it was all of this crazy stuff. And they had just passed the referendum like that April. And so they were like, yeah, they're re- they're hiring like 20 new music teachers. And I was like, oh my God, mom, I have to borrow the car. And so oh, I like crazy. borrowed the car. I drove right back up there and we went to this job fair. And I only interviewed with two positions. And the first person, like, first off, like, it didn't say whether it was an elementary or a middle or a high school. So I assumed it was elementary because that was pretty much the only ones that were hiring. But no, that was the elementary and middle school one. So when they asked, like, what my classroom, I envisioned it to look like, I didn't mention middle school stuff. And so I could tell, like, 
we just weren't on the same wavelength. And I was just in the same time in my head. I'm like, he thinks I'm dumb. I don't really like him. I don't want to work for him. This is awkward. So I said goodbye. And then I went to the <laughs> next table and it was this cute little um, lady and this other woman. And we just started chatting away and having the best time. And they like hired me on the spot. And so then I go into, and I actually lucked out because that school was the northernmost school in the county and because like the it was for Marion County which I live in the other the county next to it so it was going to be anywhere from like a 30 to hour drive for me but my school it's only 15 minutes (laughs) it's the northernmost one so it was the northernmost one it was one of the biggest music rooms I had a crap ton of instruments like and I actually had which I'll tell a story about the instruments in a minute but it was just like perfectly destined for me and so then I went into that room to like fill out paperwork and stuff and my friend showed up like two minutes later and she had gotten hired on the spot too so we both locked out like a week after graduating with jobs and that doesn't happen very often that's awesome (laughs) no it was amazing and the fact that the referendum happened and everything like it was just amazing and I'm just so happy with my school And a fun fact about the instruments that I learned is that there was a guy that worked there like 20 years before me, and we didn't have any ORF instruments back then. And so he happened to be, he had happened to do something with Disney, and the same ORF instruments they used in Pocahontas are the ones in my classroom. No way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I was like, oh my goodness, this is just magical. So everything about my school is just magical, and I love it so much. (laughs) Oh, that's such a cool, unique little story. I love it. Yeah. So that's just, it's just everything worked out like the way it was supposed to, but it was all just crazy and last minute. (laughs) Oh, for sure. (laughs) All right. So now on to the tough questions. Um, So we're going to dive right in. (laughs) Why is music education important in your eyes, especially at the elementary level? Oh, that is a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, music education is just super important, especially at the elementary level, because like, yes, students experience, I mean, kids experience music at a really early age. Some are experiencing it like inside the womb, you know, like just they're experiencing it from the get go. But that can sometimes be a kid's like actual first like meaningful experience with music, like because most parents like some will do like, you know, sing alongs and like, you know, some people are born into musician families. So like they're, they're born basically with a guitar in their hand or like a piano or whatever. But a lot of families aren't like that. And so being in elementary music can be some of their first actual experiences where they're learning like how to play instruments, they're learning how to keep a steady beat, they're learning how to actually appreciate music. And so music is super important as we've seen in you know statistics and results of like us doing better on tests when we have music in our lives and just like it affects every area of your brain and just makes everything function a lot more and so I think that it's really important that we're instilling that appreciation and love of music in them from an early age like the earlier the better so like the people that are doing like the early childhood like music classes and things I think that's super important like my son was going to a music and movement class at the library before COVID happened which was really exciting like of course he wasn't doing a lot because he could hardly like sit up (laughs) now he can but like they would sing to them they'd read them stories and they'd play instruments and like that was just great exposure for him so I just think that it especially from an early age like it's just so important to like get the sense of beating them and rhythm and like really allow them to like express themselves at an early age that is a wonderful answer obviously I very much so believe that 
music education is incredibly important. Um, but I think it, another one thing that I kind of get stuck on sometimes is how much of a responsibility it is as elementary music teachers, because for a, for a lot of students, we're their first interaction with music. And if we mess that up, they, you know, <laughs> they'll never go on to do band or do choir to continue music after a lot of times. And that's just such a crazy responsibility that I think we need to be aware of. I actually <laughs> think that's why I didn't want to do band now that I think of it, because I hated my elementary music teacher. I hated her. She was so mean. I remember literally, I hope she never hears this and she probably won't because she <laughs> lives in Germany now. But anyway, um, I remember that she, I auditioned, I think for choir for like a singing part. And she basically like said I was terrible. I can't remember exactly what she said. Cause like, you know, childhood scars and all, <laughs> but I just remember that. Like, and I was feeling so defeated and I was like, why would you say that when like, it's really clear that like, I love music and I'm trying so hard and I'm a little fourth grade soul can't handle it. And it's just like, I, I think that's probably a hundred percent why I didn't want to do it later on. And it's just like you said, like we are their first experience. And so like, if you don't give them a good one like they're not going to move on and then like isn't that also kind of the point of our jobs like not entirely but ideally we would want them to move on like you don't want their journey with music to just end at the end of fifth grade yeah for sure and I think that that's where we're kind of we can like blend into having to advocate for our students to make sure that we're able to give them our the, the best music education that we can so what does it mean to you to advocate for ourselves as well as our programs yeah. So I think advocating for ourselves, I mean, my definition at least is like inviting people to understand what, what it is that we do and why we do what we do and why it's important as not everybody just understands right away like oh music is important like as a subject like people view it as like you know a hobby or people view it as like when kids say oh but like you're not a regular teacher which we'll yeah. talk about that because <laughs> I just I can't handle that um, or you know the teacher's they're like, oh, off to have fun. And I'm like, yes, they're having fun, but that's not all that we're doing. So when you're advocating for yourself, you have to really help them understand like why, why it is important, why they need to actually view it the same as they do other subjects. Because I don't know any other subject that has to beg its taxpayers to vote yes on a referendum just to have music and art in schools full time. You don't see math doing that. You don't see science doing that. You don't see reading doing that. And so I don't think music and art should have to do that either because they're just as important, if not more. And I might be biased, but whatever. <laughs> But and that's one of those things where I don't I don't think that now granted there are some not so great people in the world, but I feel like the majority of people don't understand what actually happens in our classrooms. Um for one thing, you know, elementary music education has changed so much um depending on, you know, your own experience. You know, if you had um, an older music teacher that was kind of doing a little bit of the more old old school stuff, you it, you might not recognize what elementary music can be so again by showing and you know telling and explaining what we're doing and you know why it has inherent value is i think a really good way for us to advocate for a program is so it's not just us trying to keep our jobs but it's showing us that you know this is i, I i'm passionate about this for a reason so I love what note. you said about that, though, because the, um, what was it? The teacher before me, I think, was doing a lot of that old school stuff. And so, like, now my kids, like, they expect what I'm doing. And it's just funny, though, because, like, 
I'll be teaching, you know, you know how we teach so many things like by doing also fun stuff, like you can be doing a parachute routine, but you can also be teaching form and you can also be teaching rhythm and you can be teaching all this stuff. But then if your principal walks in, like they just think you're doing a parachute routine. And so then it's like, well, we have to talk about what I'm actually teaching them because we're not just having fun in here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So how do we shift our advocacy? So that it's student first. So it doesn't just, at least from the outside, just look like we're trying to keep our jobs. <laughs> How do we make sure, make sure that our advocacy is coming from a place of this is for the students and the students are going to benefit from uh, whether it be a well-funded program or a program that exists at all. How do we shift that mindset? I think ultimately it comes down to if, well, first, if your heart's in the right place, like you're always going to be student led first. Like I understand, like, obviously we need to keep our jobs and things, but the kids kind of speak for themselves. Like if they like you, like they're, everyone's going to know they like you. And if they don't like you, everyone's going to know they don't like you. And yes, not every kid is going to like you, but the majority, like if your kids, you know, are enjoying music and they're doing what you're doing, they're liking what they're doing, then there, you know, there's going to be kids that are sitting like in the car line waiting to go home and they're playing a hand game that they learned in your music class, or they're singing a song that they did in your music class, or they made their own version of something that you did in your music class. And you know, they'll be telling their friends about it. They'll be telling their parents, like their teachers will say, oh my goodness, they won't stop singing this obnoxiously annoying song in my (laughs) class, especially around winter concert time. (laughs) But I just feel like that alone has really helped just realize that you are advocating for your students and not just for your job because like when your students are happy in things that generally makes you happy and then it just makes your job a lot easier and then there's not as much to advocate for or if you do have to advocate still like your principal will more likely be like yes I agree because the students are happy they're learning I'm seeing it I hear it I'm noticing it all around and I'm willing to do this for you at least in my perspective but I don't know if that was helpful or not (laughs) (laughs) One hundred percent, fully, okay. fully helpful. So this is kind of, I we I think we've all had either experience of our own, or we know of colleagues who have been in experiences where whether it be their administra- their administrators or other teachers in their building, um, not really understanding what's happening in the music program and not seeing the importance of it and having it viewed as an other class, you know, a specials class. How do we navigate? informing whether it be the teachers the administrators or the community how do we show them that what we're doing in the in their music classroom actually matters yes so i have had both good and bad experiences with that uh, so my county which now we have a new superintendent so maybe this won't keep happening but the old superintendent loved to shake things up and we'd get like a new principal or a new assistant principal like every other year so i've had oh, four <laughs> principals and three assistant principals in six years which is crazy I know it's just that's just crazy. But anyway, so I've had I've had I've had the run of the mill. So I've had like really, really great, like they're strong proponents of ad like advocators of music. And then I've had like, eh, like I could care less. And so either way, when of course, when you have the people that you know are advocating for you for music and they're like yes do this performance I would love to see this I would love to do this I would love to do that it's a lot easier but when you have you know those educators that like they either don't really care for music or they just don't understand and they're not really trying to make an effort to understand then it's really your duty to educate them and there are several different ways you can do this especially when it comes to your evaluations because 
your evaluations are like the bread and butter of your teaching. Like you're getting bonuses, you know, if you get highly effective or effective or whatever, and you're being judged on your ability, you know, to teach your students and whatnot. And so if your principal and you're only getting judged for like an hour to two of your whole teaching experience, which blows my mind. So you have, you know, your formal and your informal. So if your principal walks in, of course, for your formal, it's planned. Your informal, it's not. But regardless, when they walk in, like you can have a whole lesson where like you very clearly are teaching like so many subjects and the kids are really learning and stuff. And to them, they're just seeing like parachute activity, activity with scarves, uh, song. They're not like really understanding how you're tying it all together. Now, some principals and stuff can think outside of the box and they either had a musical family or, you know, they just are able to think in that way and they're able to pull that out within you. Like my first principal, oh my gosh, loved her to death. She like gave me a glowing evaluation of stuff that I didn't even know I was doing. After that, though, (laughs) I had to really educate all past principals after that, which is fine. You have to go in there and know exactly how you tied everything together. And you do have to fight for it a little bit more than like subject room teachers do because it's kind of easier to see where they're going because it's just directly like they're directly saying it. It's different than music because you can use an activity to do so many different concepts. So you really have to go in there knowing like which standards you're using and how you tied it into this and how you're assessing their learning. But if you're bringing all that information into your meeting, then of course, they're going to be super impressed by that. But also it'll help you be able to move your score up more because there are definitely things that I got like marked maybe low for or not as high as I know that I could have gotten for that. And I'll bring in the facts to be like, look, like I did that and you just didn't notice it or you didn't understand And then it'll bump things up from there. So that's one thing that you can do other than that, just, you know, with your, your educators and stuff, just always making sure that you really are explaining to them, like, why it's important. I mean, yes, you you should be doing that anyway. But for performances and things like they do, they do need a reason for it, because like, they're not going to be willing to open the school up late on another school night to just do it. And my principal and I have come to an agreement where like they'll have some sort of like subject thing at this like beforehand. They were going to do it during the concert. And I was like, oh, no, honey, everybody comes to my concert. They're not going to go into the <laughs> library for a reading thing. So, And they've learned that because the, the winter concert is very big now, which I'm very sad it's not happening this year, but it's OK. Um, but yeah, so just really making sure that you're, you know, you're going into whatever you want to have happen and you have the idea for it and you have the reasons to back it up as to why it helps the children and what standards it's doing and all of that stuff. Because that was definitely what I had to do when I wanted to start doing a third grade musical on top of just the winter concert, which of course that was a big endeavor and it was going to require like, you know, them taking some time out of their classes for dress rehearsals and stuff. And so I really had to like show the value and the importance of it there by like saying they're making, like they're doing all songs that they're doing in our class. Like these are not like songs, like a canned musical. Like these are less activities they would have learned in my class anyway that they're adding to. They're doing extension activities to. They're playing all of the music themselves, like in the musical. Like it's a big learning experience for them and performance is important for them. And so then my principal was like, yes, 100%. I agree with that. So just making sure whatever you're doing that you're really going into the why of it and you're just, you know, really promoting and showing your expertise as the music teacher. Yeah, I think that's really important. I know I know this is not by by no means this is 
something I came up with, but the way that I use my performances is to really show what is going on in my classroom. I don't want them to, you know, be able to come to a concert and, you know, it could be really great and the kids could be singing and having a great time. That's fine. But if they come into my music classroom and they can't connect the two things together, um, that to me feels like a loss. I love being able to, through my performances, show the community and the other teachers, you know, what we're doing, you know, why we're, why we're doing different things, you know, how, why is it tricky? What is this leading to? And kind of do this as like an informal um, information session during, like as part of the, the, the concert to, again, you know, kind of advocate and explain that, again, it might just look like a parachute routine, but it's not. It's more than that. It's actually, you know, it coincides with these different concepts um, and we're actually learning through this fun experience-based stuff. I do need to be better about actually like explaining that more in concerts. I am better at that for like the third grade musical because like I'll literally have like a whole explanation beforehand explaining like how they did all the music and they did that and they did this and like you can really tell especially at least in the third grade musical that like this is legit what we do in our music class. As far as like the winter concert I don't always do as good a job at explaining that. I think more so because like I, when they really get to see what goes on in my music room is when we do like informances, which that's from Eileen Miracle. At least I think I learned that from her. I'm sure I did because she's wonderful. You know, where you have like parents come into your classroom for different um, for different grade levels and they actually get to like sit in on their kid having music class. And then that's where I'll actually like stop in between activities and say like, this is why we're doing this. And this is how this connects to this. And then they get to like see what their kid's doing in music class because like just hearing your kid talk about it and then seeing it is like two totally different things because like one they're probably not really making a lot of sense when they're telling you what they're doing in music if they're telling you at all um and two like it's just you once you see it then you're like wow like you're actually doing like so much more than I imagined especially because of what you said earlier a long long time ago music looked a lot different like they used old books and like they did only singing or like they hardly did any instruments like I'm sure orf instruments weren't around like forever and ever ago so like they weren't using all of the stuff that we're using now so like t- music has gone like such a long way and with technology and everything and getting to use smart boards and kindles and tablets and all of that stuff it can look vastly different so that's also a really great time to like pull the parents in and then let them see what your kid is actually doing and then they have like a much greater appreciative appreciation that's the word i'm looking for (laughs) appreciation of music yeah i think those those informed anytime you can have parents come into the classroom that is such a great way to advocate for our programs and for what we do um I, I really I, I hope that I can get to a point where I'm able to do that with my students um, right now. Well, clearly right now <laughs> in time of COVID, that's not a thing. Um, but I, I, what I like to do is, you know, those students that have signed a release form, we have a Facebook page for the music room. So we'll be able to share, have them play in the games. And I kind of say, well, oh, you know, we're playing this great. game to you know, we're using this game to practice um, quarter notes or whatever, you know, kind of explaining a little bit that way. So for those two, you know, even though my parents aren't able to actually be in the classroom, they're able to have a little bit of um, insight into what's going on. So you have one like for your school? Yeah, I have a, a school music page. Oh, that's so great. I wonder if I could do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been really, it's been really awesome. I love being able to share it. And like the kids know, like if I start taking a video, like, oh, we got to do this great because our parents are going to see it. Like we need to, we need to make sure we're on our top, top behavior right now. Right? I am definitely stealing that. <laughs> 
Um, so last, kind of last thing today, I know this is a tricky question, but, and I, this is something that I've been battling all year in the time of COVID. <sighs> how do we, I know this is, this is a really <laughs> hard one. How do we balance being understanding of the crazy situation our students are in while also still advocating for the importance of music education? I I know I read that question like when you sent it to me and I feel still feel like I don't have a good answer to that. So I will just answer as best I can. <laughs> I just, I mean, that's like you said, like COVID has been really hard. And I mean, of course, I still want to advocate the importance of music in my classrooms. And of course, I'm still like upset when like my however many kids that are online don't all show up to music class <laughs> because they don't. <laughs> But I'm sure that's across the board everywhere. Um, But then again, like those students sometimes also aren't showing up to their regular classes either. So then they're not going to school at all. And then that's just really concerning. And COVID is just really hard. And a lot of parents, you know, are realizing like, wow, they have so much schoolwork in reading, in math, in science, in social studies, in music, in art, in PE, because we all have to give assignments still. And, you know, some parents are struggling more than others if they have like three to five kids that are all in different grade levels like that can be really overwhelming especially if you're having to be at home and so I still am trying to you know advocate the importance of music even like through my lessons like I'll try and do like um video ones or like they get to see my face and like they get to like respond back to me like by singing a song or things so that like they're still able to know that like you know music is important and that we're still going to make music even if we're not together in the space, which is why I'm actually also really lucky that I get to do my virtual lessons live on on Wednesdays at my school because my school is so small that I have a whole day I could do for online lessons. So I actually do get to do virtual live lessons with my students, whereas a lot of people have to do recorded ones because it doesn't fit into their day. So that is one thing I'm really lucky about. But I just have to give a lot of grace in this time because, I mean, I know it's really hard, especially as a teacher with us having to make, you know, if you're doing both like me or you have in-person kids and then you also have, you know, virtual kids. So just giving yourself a lot of grace, but then also still advocating for yourself in your classroom as well, because I know that there has been some crazy stuff going on um, to my schedule and to all sorts of stuff. And like my principal and assistant principal are running around like a chicken with their head cut off, as I'm sure all principals and assistant principals are right now, because you can never make anyone happy. And especially in the midst of COVID, And, you know, they're just trying to do the best they can, but then sometimes they're changing things last minute on you. And then you're like, no, like you can't do this. We can't do that. Like there was at one point last week where, or like two weeks ago, where they were like, you're getting a bunch of kids in your classroom on Wednesday or like Thursday. And I was like, yeah, but I teach virtual on Thursday. And they were like, well, you're going to also have kids in the class at the same time. And I went, oh, no, no, no. We got to, we got to talk about that. I can't, I can't do both at the same time. (laughs) So luckily that's not happening, but just giving yourself a lot of grace and giving you know, parents a lot of grace and teachers a lot of grace and kids a lot of grace, but then still, still continuing to, you know, fight the good fight and like, just continually keeping that positive mindset that like, music is still important. It's just a really hard year. And so if I don't get to do, you know, obviously no performances, I mean, well, there can be performances, but you know, there's just there's so much extra work you have to do for that. But like, maybe you don't have as many performances, or maybe, you know, you're not getting to see your kids face to face, or maybe you're not going to do this. But what can you do each and every day to still instill an appreciation of love in in music in your students? That's always what I try to think of before I start the day, because like, there are days where I'm just feeling ultimately defeated due to COVID. Like, it's really hard teaching 
in COVID. It really is. And so there are days that I literally have to be like, remember, like you did this job to instill a love of music in your students. And how are you going to do that today? Because you need to do it. So how are you doing it? And then I will just have some idea or I'll just, you know, remind myself why I became a music teacher. And then I'll go on with my day. And some days it's easier than others. And some days it's harder than others. But at the end of the day, if you're doing your best, then that's really all you can do. Yeah, I think that's what I, I don't have an answer to this either. <laughs> like, it, it's because it can be so frustrating, you know, putting all this time and energy into making these lessons. And then you get like four people that do it. And, and it can be super frustrating. Um, but I, again, I think we also just need to remember that we are all in such a crazy time um, that we can only do what we can do. And we need to kind of let go of the things that we can't um, t- have any control over. Um I like what you said about, you know, instilling a love of music. I, that's, that's kind of my goal this year is to keep, keep the love of music alive in my students so that we can really restart things next year with a little bit more vigor than we were, are able to have this year. You know, this year I might not get to fa. That's fine. But as long as kids still want to sing, still want to learn music, still want to enjoy, play the games and do whatever they can, then maybe we can get to it next year. And that's kind of where my mind sh- mindset has kind of shifted as the months have gone on this year. Yeah, that's how mine's been too. I mean, I'm, I'm really not trying to teach any new concepts only because like, it's just, I mean, the ones in class, yeah, sure, we can continue on, but the ones that are virtual are just going to get lost. And then you're going to have like half of the kids next year that got to fall and half of the kids that have no idea what that is. And so this year is really like a, let's review and be like super solid on everything we've done thus far and like do all of the prep work to get to our next set of concepts but there's just really no point right now because it's just going to be all over the place but it does let you have you know, more time to fit in those things that you don't necessarily get to fit in. Like I don't normally have a lot of time to devote to like composers of the month and stuff, but I've really been able to do that because we're not allowed to sing. Um, At least we are outside, but then that's just really difficult right now, at least at my school. So we are stuck inside. So I've been able to do stuff like composers of the month and dive a lot further into like form and theme and variation and like all these things that I want to get to and I don't always get to spend as much time on. So there is like a positive spin on it but ideally of course we'd love to just be back in the classrooms <laughs> for sure so rainy what are some actionable steps that we someone that we can use whether it be this week or in the next few weeks to help us advocate for ourselves and our programs yeah. Um, so a couple of things that we can do now or at least in the next couple of weeks just to continue to advocate for yourself. Well, one is like I said, just always reminding yourself, you know, of why you're doing what you're doing or like how you can instill an appreciation of music into them today. So like always asking yourself that question. Um, I, you might even want to have like a sticky note on your computer or your, you know, your desk or wherever you need it, like just some positive statement about like why you do what you do, because then that also can help you get through these hard times. But then as far as advocating yourself in other ways, just, you know, um, with students, just reminding them that like, they still, especially the virtual ones, like you need to remind them that they still have to come to class and whether they come to yours, like, yes, that's important. Of course, you want to see their smiling faces. Um, and some of them actually will only come for me, which I have to be like, little Timmy, you need to go to reading class. <laughs> but, um, you know, just 
reminding them that like you're here for them. You really want to see them succeed, reminding them that like COVID is not always going to be here forever, that we'll all get to be back together soon, but that they need to be trying their best so that you can do your best for them because you can't really advocate well for them if they're not coming to class and if they're not doing their lessons and if they're not, you know, trying their best because then it'll less turn out where you might have, you know, principals and assistant principals saying, well, they're not coming to this anyway. So like, why don't you just turn into a reading helper at the school? Or why don't you do this? Because I know that there are a lot of music teachers that are not really getting to do their full music um, anymore because of COVID. So they're having to like, you know, push into classrooms and stuff, which I understand the importance of that as well. But we didn't go to school to be an aide. We came to school to do music. So just advocating for yourself in that regard, showing why it's important that you have your time that you your free time that you have either to lesson plan or to collaborate with other music teachers or whatever you're going to use your time with if you have extra time, or to record lessons if you need to record lessons. So just making sure you're advocating for yourself in that way as well, because if you have free time, it will get taken away from you unless you have a solid answer as to why you need it. (laughs) For sure. So Rainy, where can we find more of you? Uh, yeah, so everything is whimsically musical, except for on Instagram, it's whimsically musical teacher because it was whimsically musical. And then I changed it for some reason. I don't know why. And you know how Instagram is, it won't give you the name back, even though no (laughs) one has the name, nobody has the name. So I'm very aggravated. But yes, it's on Instagram. It's whimsically musical teacher. Facebook is whim. Oh, I just hit my microphone stand. (laughs) (laughs) Facebook, it's whimsically musical teacher. Um, Everything is whimsically musical teacher. So, yeah. All right. And I will put all those links in the show notes so that anyone that wants to find more of you can find you so easily. So, Rainy, thank you so much for talking to me today. It has been an absolute pleasure. I love being able to talk to other music teachers um, and especially on this topic that is so important, especially now um, more than ever. So thank you so much for taking some time and talking to me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was great chatting. If you found this episode helpful at all, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Not only does this help me understand what you find most helpful, it also helps more music educators just like you find the podcast. To check out the show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash show notes.